On this week's episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast, we look back at the recent Doctor Who episode focusing on the partition and also discuss organ donation in the British Asian community. The Native Immigrants are in the building. Hit the music. Salutations and welcome <laughs> to another edition of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. What was going on there, Jojo B? There's some uh, odd uh, noises emanating from your throatal area. Sorry, I just took a, a swig of lemon squash. Okay. And uh, it made a funny noise. <laughs> it did make a really funny noise. I don't think the microphone quite got that. I can't stop drinking lemon squash. Yeah, lemon squash is your new craving right now. Yeah, and clementines. This very late stage yeah. into your All the citrus. pregnant journey. All the citrus. I probably get told off by loads of Indian mums. Yeah, so this last week, you have gone in on clementines. I can't help it, they taste delicious. She's been going through clementines like Popeye goes through spinach. Yeah, I could have eaten the whole bag. Yeah, and then we went around to our friend's house over the weekend. And for then his I had some more there. And you basically nabbed all his clementines as well. Everyone else was drinking and I was like, I just want some clementines. And yeah. he was like, oh, I've got some. Yeah. And he gave me them. <laughs> what is the clementines? Is that a thing? <laughs> Listeners, if you've got kids out there, is citrus and clementine a thing with pregnant ladies? Or is it just my wife with her odd cravings? I can't help it. I can't help it. I will get told off by my mum and your mum. I haven't told them that I'm craving the citrus. Oh, yeah. God forbid. Oh, my God. She's craving fruit. I'm supposed to be eating almonds and ghee. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ghee apparently makes the baby slip out quicker. <laughs> Both mums have said this to me. <laughs> and I've had to laugh at both mums and tell them that that's not how biology works. Um, you can't just grease up your insides like that. Yeah. What? Yeah. It will slip out quicker. Both mothers said this to me. Are you are you supposed to take the ghee orally? <laughs> <laughs> I bloody hope so. <laughs> Over the course of our pregnancy, from our extended family, we've heard some absolutely ludicrous methodology when it comes to ensuring a smooth process. With I uh, mean, all the way from how to conceive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had some handy hints from <laughs> an, an auntie who will remain unnamed. <coughs> Um, oh dear which was that was yeah interesting it was interesting especially because at that point i was already pregnant and she didn't know that <laughs> no she didn't bless her cotton socks she, um, um yeah it, yeah it's nice her. to know that people care enough to spread their wisdom yeah um, yeah she did it out of love it wasn't like produce a baby now yeah you rubbish lady she yeah. was more like if yeah, you're having obviously. any issues, this might work. <laughs> yeah. Not the kind of normal like, conversations. Ah, no, don't give me sex tips. Definitely not the normal conversations <laughs> you have with your aunties. But yeah, we're coming close now to the final hurdle, Jojo B. We are. We're not far. We're we not are far. not far at all. And I think it's time to break it to our listeners that our next show is probably going to be our final show. For a little while. Yeah. 
for a little while. But we need to go on maternity, paternity leave. Yes. Uh, we'll be coming to a point where it'll be more and more difficult to record the podcast. And with it being the Christmas break as well coming up next month, I thought it'd be a nice time for us to potentially get to know our baby a bit better. Yeah. Find out what, what he or she likes. Yeah. Kind of things like to vibe to, music, films, TV, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so we will be taking a break. Yeah. We'll be from, back in the new year. We'll be back in the new year. And so this is, in essence, season one of the Native Immigrants podcast. And next year is season two. And there'll be a new edition. And there will be a new edition. So it almost be like, you know how Breaking Bad, the first season, was kind of like a nice little taster. And the things start hotting up from season two. Yeah, that's what it'll be like. <laughs> yeah. We'll start making meth. Yeah, we'll start making meth, yeah. Oh, who's who's Walter? Who's uh, who's Jesse? I mean, the brains you, of the operation is obviously me. Well, you do wear glasses. <laughs> I wear glasses and I probably know a bit more about science than you do. And I'm just a lot cooler and I do say bitch all the time. Yeah, and I can cook. And you can cook. <laughs> and I can learn from you and eventually take over from you. <laughs> in one day because I will have to get my chef's hat on it's ironic for someone that created a project called The Recipe I've hardly done any cooking while you've been pregnant no which is um, really sad I mean mostly I haven't wanted to eat anything that's also true other than random things like clementines clementines and lemon juice yep back to not wanting to eat much again yeah you've had a tough day today Jojo B yeah let's just leave it (laughs) let's just leave it at that it's been a it's been a hormonal day. It's been a hormonal day. But something that will get you extremely hormonal in a good way uh-huh. is taking a long time, actually. Uh, yeah. What are, you, what, what's, what are you getting at? <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't ever give me that face. It's good stuff. Okay. We've got another review on iTunes. Oh, yay. You know what? It's been a little while as well. And probably one of the reasons for that is I don't tell people every week that we want ratings and reviews like I used to in our old shows. We want reviews and I've ratings. Changed. Catch up with all our shows while we're away on maternity, paternity leave. Yeah, absolutely. And then like write loads of reviews. Yeah. And then we'll come back. Yeah, because you know what? If we don't get any, we could be like, you know what? There's no love out there for us anymore. You know, we've, we've given them 31 shows now. And where's the love? No one wants People, to give us a review. Don't forget about us. Yeah. You know, it's because it's like, you know, music is a conveyor belt. If you don't put out a single every other week, they end up forgetting about you. We'll leave and there'll be like another 50 podcasts that come out about topics and cultural affairs within the British Asian community. There are a lot more British Asian podcasts that have come out in the last few months. There have indeed. Which is a brilliant thing. Yeah, absolutely. Which and is really we will good. fully support all of that. Yeah. But just make sure there's still room for us when we come back, yeah? Mate, we would originate as fam. Obviously, British Asian podcast by Satman is the is the original originator. He's the original, yeah. He's the godfather. Yeah. But, um, you know, big up my girls at Desi Outsiders as well, doing their thing. Yeah. But there will be a slew of newer podcasts probably coming out in the next few months that will try to usurp the native immigrants' crown. But fuck that shit. We still reign, baby. Yeah, we do. You know, like I said, we support all of that. Yes, we do. The more we get out there, the better. We, by which I mean the South Asian diaspora in this country. But, like I said, please 
keep some room for us. Yeah. Every week on our show, we talk about wanting our communities to progress. And the only way we can do that happen is if we collectively get together, support each other and enable everyone to progress together. Exactly. We have to support. In episode two, we said that the reason that we, as a collective Asian community, don't get very far in pop culture in general is because we don't show each other the support that we should be showing. Yeah, exactly. And so we will always support anyone who's coming in to do this kind of thing and to do podcasts and stuff. Yeah. But we would also like some support. Yeah, exactly. You know, like we're not just there to support everybody else while they trample all over us. (laughs) Exactly. You know, we're there as a group trying to make this thing work. Absolutely. And it needs a collective group effort. So let's us as a community get behind each other, support each other and encourage each other to be the best version of themselves that they can be. Absolutely. And while we're talking about being the best version of themselves, we did get a new review. Oh, yes. Go back to the review. (laughs) Exactly. So I want to big up Shalina Patel, who sent us a lovely review on iTunes saying, Awesome podcast. This is for anyone who wants to hear a smart and down-to-earth couple discuss a variety of topics from current affairs to culture and daily life. It strikes a great balance between being really funny as well as serious. They are so engaging. I highly recommend this podcast. Keep up the great work, guys. Thanks, Shalina. Big up yourself, Shalina. Thank you so much for your review. And she also sent us a lovely message as well on Instagram. She did. She's actually the head of history in a secondary school and and works with a lot of British Asian students as well at the same time. And she actually said that during the episode that we mentioned the appointment of Sajid Javid, we talked briefly about the use of the term coconut. And she actually did a sixth form assembly about the term and her own experiences of it from being a teenager to now. And it actually sparked some really amazing conversations with both the students and the staff about identity, expectations of our own communities, etc. So she was actually interested in sending us the script of what was said during the assembly and whether we could check it out. Yeah, we did check it out. And it is awesome. It's really, really good. There's some really good points on there. Yeah, it's everything that we speak about on this show every single week. Identity. And being allowed to be yourself as well. So it talks about the notion of being a coconut, meaning that um, you're, you act too white. Or yeah. you, you've got a, a group of white friends or mixed friends. They're not Asian enough. And you're not doing one of the, the stereotypical Asian degrees and studies. Yeah, all of which I can completely relate to. Absolutely, yeah. I might not have my accent anymore but I did used to have a very strong Geordie accent which is not uh, your usual Asian accent it I suppose. I also had a very mixed group of friends yes and I did get called a coconut for having that for yeah. having that group of friends because I didn't really mix with the Asians until I was a bit older yeah and I did history and I did languages and I did no sciences for my A-levels no And so I can completely relate to what she was saying. And of course, one of the big things that we talk about on this show is integration. The fact that we are British and we are Asian. Mm -hmm. Most of the problems and people saying things like coconut to each other are from predominantly Asian areas as well. You won't hear these kind of things being said from communities up north because it's so much more of a diverse community. You're going to have so many white friends. You're going to have black friends, people from very different communities, whereas here, you're in pockets of complete Asian. So if anyone stands out against that, it's immediately called a coconut. So there really is a no-win situation, which is exactly what Shalina was saying in her assembly. Basically, be yourself. Be who you want to be. 
don't judge anybody else for who they are. Yeah, exactly. You don't get to have a say on what how someone speaks or who they hang out with. Absolutely. So shut up and mind your own business. And, you know, be authentically you. Be authentically you indeed. Um, so thank you so much, Shalina, again, for sending us through the script from her assembly. And let's just refrain from using that term. It's so dated and just so irrelevant today. No more coconuts, no more freshies. Absolutely not. Um, so what's been happening this week then, Jojo B? So we've been rabbiting on in the last few shows about this episode of Doctor Who, The Demons of Punjab. We've been waiting with bated breath. Yeah, because it could have gone one of two very different directions. Uh-huh. It aired this past Sunday. Yes. What are our thoughts on it? See, now, having been a previous Doctor Who fan... Yes. I really enjoyed it. I kind of, you know, know the Doctor Who world mm-hmm. and what it's like. So the fact that it mixed history and science fiction together worked for me. Okay. And I I found it really moving. And I don't know if it's just my hormones, but I had a little cry. A little cry being a slight understatement. The, the, the no, episode it was, was. It was a little cry at the end. The episode was, was finishing and, you know, I was kind of, I turned over to Jojo V. <laughs> And then her eyes were gouging with tears. I can't help it. It's, I blame the hormones. Uh, but you also, you know... But it was very moving as well. It was very emotional. It was an emotional ending to it. I will say that. For those people that haven't seen it, we won't give too much away. Yeah. It was a lot of different emotions running through the entire episode. From you know the excitement of like the science fiction side of things. As well as the poignancy of family and your elders and the people during that time period which was such a traumatic experience for millions of people as well yeah it touched on so many different things so yes there was the whole kind of knowing your family and knowing your family history yeah and actually that you never will really know all of your family history because some things are sacred to people and they will be kept secret to them. 100%. And I, I just found that really fascinating. I found that really interesting, that whole theme and, and that whole notion because I know my family's full of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so, and I would love to know more, but there's only so much you can you can kind of press somebody to give you information on stuff like that. Yeah, and I guess in that situation as well, there was a, a few taboos addressed in that episode. Mm-hmm. And this is during a time period back in you know, the late 40s where it would have been even more taboo than it is today. Yeah. So, you know, when covering that together with everything that was happening during partition, it meant that there was a lot of things that people could not necessarily talk about even to this day because it brings back such awful memories as well. Yeah, the whole subject of partition was done really sensitively. Yeah. This is not giving away too much, I don't think. There wasn't like kind of blood being spilled on the streets like we're used to seeing when we see anything about partition. It's all about rioting and and all that kind of stuff. It was was a lot more quiet than that. And I think that was really, that was really lovely. Yeah, absolutely. Because that meant that you could actually kind of understand the subtleties a little bit more. Because not everywhere encountered the same level of bloodshed. Yes. You know, the bigger yeah. cities and, you know, the obviously the travel systems between going between Pakistan and India during that time period was extremely brutal, extremely yeah. graphic. But smaller villages, little remote places as well like that, it was it affected different people in different ways. Yeah. And it was nice that they they focused on just a normal family in the middle of like a remote part of Pakistan or the border. It's the border, yeah, they're on the border. You know What becomes the border. What becomes the border, yeah, because it wasn't up until that episode. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, re- it was really subtly well done. I'm not 
a massive Doctor Who fan. I've loved science fiction, but I never really got into Doctor Who. So this is the one of the first few episodes of like the newer run that I've actually seen. Yeah. And I was really, really impressed because it, initially it started off a bit crazy and a bit wacky. And then, well, it's Doctor Who, so there's going to be e- there's going to be aliens. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and there there are aliens or demons in this. Yeah, yeah. But so you have to kind of be able to get your head around that first. I think that's what I need. I, I needed to just get myself into that frame of mind a little bit more. And then once I got into it, and then I let myself be a bit more open minded about things, I actually really enjoyed the episode. And it made me want to now watch the rest of the episodes because there was one on Rosa Parks that came on before. Yeah, we need to catch up with the rest of this series, actually. Yeah, but there was also a lot of criticism as well from a number of people about the episode itself. And I I think it's maybe from Doctor Who purists talking about the fact that they are looking at a more historical situation, which the last few series of Doctor Who, they haven't really done that. And so is it more of a history lesson than it is a science fiction show? I know there's a lot of kind of like, there was a lot of this, oh, it's liberal propaganda, you know, they're trying to be more racially diverse, blah, blah, blah. But actually, the real purists, the real Doctor Who know-it-alls, they all said, if you've got a problem with it, then you need to go back and watch the very first series of Doctor Who. Okay. So the original 60s, I think it was, it came out? I believe so. Around that time, because what that, that series did was actually mesh together science and history science fiction and history right, right. there was a lot of that kind of theming going on in that first series as well so i'd be really interested to watch that actually as well but apparently this kind of harks back to that oh, so that this is what doctor who was originally meant to be about is about educating as well as entertaining yeah well you kind of think that they've got a tardis which enables you to travel through time so why would they not have looked at historical events? Well, that's how the episode starts. She says, what's the use of a friend with a time machine if you can't go travel back in time? Exactly, yeah. So, And, and that's exactly what I think this series is going to be doing. Mm. I don't know about future episodes, but and obviously with the Rosa Parks one and with this one, yeah. it's trying to kind of educate people on things that you don't find out about at school. And when we were looking at the hashtags on Twitter, there were a lot of people who were saying, you know what, I sat down and watched this with my children and they don't know anything about partition. Yeah, exactly. They don't know that this happened, that this is what was going on. And and I think that's a, it's really important that that conversation happens, that people understand that Britain's colonial past had some effects yeah of course you know and Some it's long had lasting effects exactly exactly and it was really interesting and i think hopefully i'm not giving up too much here when i say this hmm. but my favorite bit of the whole thing hmm. was the fact that you come away with the idea of no matter how many aliens and demons there are out there humans are their own worst enemy yeah of course they of are course. the worst of demons the biggest they, demon yeah, yeah is the de- is the demon itself who's looking in the mirror and i think that's what you come to at the end of that episode yeah yeah it's a really important important message to get across absolutely no i think that's that's the most clear message that came out of it and also respecting and loving your elders as well at the same time you know and having more of an understanding of the people that that they were and are today and then the things that you go through in life uh, enable you to become the person you are today and they've got so many stories and so many experiences they've gone through in life and you may have only touched like the base of what of what their life entailed and so sit down with your elders find out more about them find out the things that they've gone through to enable you to become the person you are today and the journey they've faced and the experience they've faced and coming over here all the way from India or Kenya or Pakistan or Bangladesh or wherever there's an entire saga right there 
but learn more about them learn more yeah. about these people because you'll find that they have some of the most extraordinary stories you'll have ever heard yeah bradley walsh's character says that really well in the in the episode as well this person's not the person that you know yeah of course you know this is not your grandmother yet this is a young woman yeah exactly, exactly. and so she hasn't become the person that you come to know later on yeah our grandparents were young people once absolutely they made mistakes and they lived a life and they have their own stories exactly and their youth was spent during a time with some of the most traumatic experiences that anyone of us can even you know exactly. bear to think of you know so please if your if your grandparents are still around show them that you love them show them that you care exactly yep. and lastly another thing that we spoke about on our last show which we were really happy about was the new statue in Smethwick to commemorate the contribution of the Indian Army during World War One, and it's already been vandalised. Yeah, it was vandalised on Friday. For fuck's sake. And, you know, your initial reaction is always, fucking racists, they did yeah. it. Uh, but I'm not, I don't know. I was a bit confused when I saw the actual graffiti. Yeah, because I thought immediately it'd be like, Pakis fucking go home. Yeah. Fuck India, fuck Pakistan, dot, dot, dot. Because that's what we normally see with these kind of things. A couple of swastikas kind of like, you know, emblazoned. Yeah, that's exactly what I was expecting to see. Yeah. And then I saw the images of the graffiti. Yeah. And it says the words, Sepoy is no more. And then the line of the great war has been crossed out because of some kind of yeah. um right message that they have on there yeah. of the great war has been crossed out and replaced with and i have no idea what this is one jar noil okay which apparently there's been speculation on social media that that, that refers to janel singh bindrawala right who was the militant leader during the 1984 yeah of course uh, issue yeah there's no definitive kind of proof that that's what that is yeah there's some cctv footage that just came out it's a few guys in hoodies so you can't quite see yet who the people are yeah so this is all speculation no one really knows who did this yet but what the fuck yeah (laughs) this gurdara has raised money and funded this statue yeah from people within their own community that have contributed and donated to that as well yeah and they wanted to commemorate all those people that fought for Britain from India. Yeah. They had come from India and they they made their contribution to the war. Absolutely. A vital contribution as well. As we yeah. said, one of the biggest voluntary armies that have ever been assembled. Exactly. And some idiots have come along and have graffitied it. Yeah. And, then, and it could even allegedly be other Asians. Yeah. Because if the speculation is true, then it's more than likely to be Asians. Yeah. Why would you do that? There are loads of people out there who have a problem with commemorating India's contribution to the British army. Yeah, absolutely. Because it kind of celebrates their colonial past. Yeah. They weren't kind of fighting against that at that point. They were fighting with the British. Yeah, exactly. Against Indian people themselves as well. Yeah. But the important thing to remember is is that so far in our schooling in this country... Hmm. The contribution of the empire and people from living within the empire Mm. that were not white has not been taught. No, exactly. The wars have been whitewashed. Absolutely. And actually, Indian soldiers made up a massive contingent of the British army fighting the enemy. Mm, The enemy as such, yeah. And that needs to be commemorated. That needs to be respected. Thousands of young Indian men died 
during those wars, World War One and World War Two. Yeah, absolutely. And even if it goes a small way of just commemorating their contribution to a massive cause, then what is wrong with that? And for the people that committed this crime, you guys are here living in Britain because of the actions of these people during that time period to enable you to be able to live in this country freely and have passports and be British citizens. So how can you desecrate that when the reason you're here is because of the contribution of all those amazing young men during that era? If it was Asians. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. If it, yeah, if, if. If it was. And if you're listening, especially. Yeah, exactly. Then shame on you. Really shame on you. What have you learned over the course of our shows? <laughs> yeah, I've got a feeling they don't listen to our show. No. But I think people need to respect the fact that this money was raised by the community it was raised by the gurdwara yeah it wasn't something that was paid for by the council or that was funded by the government or anything like that this is people's hard-earned money and then a bunch of knobheads have come along and spray painted it within a couple of days of it going up yeah exactly it just makes the community because if it is asians it makes the community look like idiots it makes us all look stupid absolutely 100 percent that we can't even respect our own war memorials. <laughs> we don't thing. get war memorials from the government. Absolutely not. So shame on you, you pricks. Right. A <sighs> couple of deep breaths. Yeah. Um, Calm down. It's yeah. Not, it's not good for the baby. It's not good for the baby at all. So that is the end of the first half of this week's episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. We're back on the other side. We're going to be talking about organ donations in the British Asian community. See you on the other side, people. Welcome back to the second half of this week's episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And the last few weeks, we've had a couple of light-hearted shows, Jojo B. We have. You know, it's, it's gone against the grain of what our show was really about. Yes. And I think it's time to revert back to what we're all about here on the Native Immigrants Podcast, and that is challenging and discussing issues within our communities. Yep. And this is one I think that we both feel quite strongly about, but potentially in different ways. Yes, yes, we do, I think, differ on our opinions of this. Yeah, but it is something that we we need to challenge and we need to talk about. So I've been in a conversation recently with Dhruv Mittal, who we spoke about in a few shows ago, because we saw him on Channel 4's Sunday Brunch. Oh yeah, biryani chef extraordinaire. The biryani king, uh, as we like to call him. And he has a restaurant called Dum Biryani House, which is on Wardour Street in Soho. Uh-huh. So if you haven't got to check out some of his delightful delicacies, please make sure you go down there and say that we recommended you and he might just serve you up some amazing delights. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not for free, obviously. We are Asians here and we're here to support businesses, obviously, at the same time. Could do with some biryani. Yeah. So, Drew, if you're listening, fam. Sort it out. Sort it out for us, yeah. <laughs> um, but he actually got in touch with us and wanted to highlight the story of someone that got in touch with him about some cookery lessons on Instagram. Her name is Sina Patel. Mm-hmm. And her and her husband, Jay, have been real advocates of organ donation and raising awareness of those within our communities. Okay. Because, um, unfortunately, really sadly, their son, Ari passed away in 2016 from a tragic accident 
And they commemorated Ari by donating his organs to seven different children in need. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely awesome. I mean, instead of giving in to grief, they took it on themselves to help other children undergoing treatment at the St. George's Hospital's Pediatric Intensive Care Unit. Uh, They also created a crowdfunding website in his name, and he raised over £33,000 to forward to the institution and another in CADA. So they're doing their part in raising awareness of something that is still very much a taboo within our communities. It really is. It really is. Here's some stats just to kind of shock you, because when I read these, I was very, very shocked. Yeah. So people from the BAME community... So black, Asian, minority, ethnic community are three or four times more likely to suffer from organ failure. Oh, my God. They are five times more likely to develop kidney disease. Wow. Okay. Five times. And if you're diabetic and from that community, you are 10 times more likely to develop kidney disease. Oh, my days. Yeah. Well, yeah. Diabetes is such a massive issue within all our communities. Yeah. Whether you're Asian, if you're black, if you're from a minority ethnic background, you are more likely to suffer from things like diabetes, high blood pressure. Yeah. All of those kinds of things. certain types of forms of uh, hepatitis as well, more likely to form within our community than people within the white community. Yeah. And these all have an impact on your organs. Yeah. And obviously it makes them more likely to need a transplant. Exactly. In terms of being a patient, waiting for an organ donation you are less likely than white patients to receive an organ donation if you're from the BAME community BAME patients have to wait an extra year to receive an organ compared to white patients on average you're joking a year a year you're more likely to be waiting and you're more likely to have to wait for a year oh my god this is insane yeah I think people aren't really armed with this kind of information i guess you know the the problem is is that if you want to have a more successful transplant it's better if it comes from within your own community yeah absolutely yeah and that's why it's essential that we have this discussion and that we are trying to make it less taboo to donate your organs yeah absolutely very true Uh, Following on from that, I've got a few more stats here. Uh, Three in 10, that's 31% of people waiting for a transplant across the UK are from a BAME background. There's a new report that came out from NHS Blood and Transplant, and it sets out how many BAME groups are poorly represented on the organ donor register relative to the current British population. It said that people from BAME backgrounds make up 11% of the UK population, yet the 35% of people waiting for kidney transplants are from these communities. The report said that 21% of people who died on the waiting list last year were from a BAME background, compared with 15% a decade ago. It shows that the number of BAME donors has increased, but the numbers are still very small. I mean, from last year, there were only 114 BAME organ donors. That's incredible. Yeah. That's insane. It's a damning statistic and a real, like, disastrous reflection on our communities in general. I just, I'm astounded by those stats. Yeah. So we make up 11% of the population, but we make up 35% of the... The The total number of people waiting for kidney transplants in the UK. Wow. 
you know wow there's a, obviously a, a inherent problem with our the big diseases within our communities like diabetes high blood pressure issues with hepatitis but yet we're still so underrepresented in organ donation and we're one of the biggest communities in need of organ donation in the UK. So I mean fair enough we can't do anything about our ge- genetic predisposition. Yeah. To to these diseases there's nothing that we can do. We could probably do more in terms of activity, but, yeah. our foods and the things that we eat obviously. So yeah, those are the things that we can control, diet and exercise. Yeah. Um if sometimes it can be a case of you're going to get it you're going to get it. But you have to try and do what you can to improve your health. Within your lifestyle, yeah. Yeah, so we have a real high prevalence of type 2 diabetes, which then goes on to impact your organs massively. Absolutely. And type 2 diabetes is completely preventable. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's not something that you will inevitably get. Yeah. It's something that happens to you because of your lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You can prevent it and you can, at the early stages, reverse it as well. (laughs) I think too many in our community are almost set to this is going to happen to me anyway, so I'm just going to accept it and move on with life. And that's that's a real problem within especially our parents' generation because we've both had conversations with our parents recently yes. along those lines. Yeah. And we've both had to tell our parents off for thinking like that. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's kind of giving up and just being going, just going, oh, well, I can't do anything about it. I'm just going to carry on living really badly. Yes. You know, really unhealthily and there's nothing I can do about anything that's going to happen to me going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Which is nonsense. No, absolutely. <laughs> it's absolute nonsense. So that's something that we can change. Hmm. As well as changing our attitudes. Yeah, the mentalities, absolutely. I think it also touches on the bigger issue with our communities, with healthcare in general. Yeah. Because uh, I, I remember just a couple of times that when I was in the volunteer work at the temple yeah. over a number of years. And I used to hear like groups of like masses, you know, the auntie basically talking, <laughs> talking together about some of their health problems and things that they were going through while I was in this tent yeah. with a number of people walking in. And they were saying things like, oh, I don't want to actually go back to the doctor in case it's a bigger problem, because then it's just going to be a bigger issue going forward. So I just avoid going to see them in case I've got something really drastic so it's like burying your head in the sand. Yeah, it's the whole, oh, you know, ignorance is bliss mentality. So there is a thing with our, you know, especially the older generation, about only going to see doctors when it's the last, very last stage of a very debilitating illness, rather than seeing things very, very early on, because it's wanting to avoid having to tackle something that could be much more serious later on. It's... I mean, that just doesn't compute with me. It sounds like a ridiculous thing to even have to consider or think about. Yeah, but you... If you, you have... But I've always been of the opinion that if there's something wrong with you, you go to the doctor because there's not meant to be things wrong with you. Yeah. You are not meant to feel ill. Your yeah. body's not meant to feel pain on a daily basis. It's not meant to feel rubbish on a daily basis Mm. if that is happening then you go to the doctor yeah but you yourself know from especially your mom and dad my mom and dad aunties and uncles you know auntie and uncles i know that have been like yeah i'll go i'll see them eventually it's probably nothing anyway i just need to you know take some antibiotics and i'll be fine yeah self-diagnosis without the need of google etc 
I've lived long enough. I know what's best. Yeah. And do you know what? A lot of them have learned their lesson by seeing some of their family members pass away because of that. Yeah. I've had family members pass away because they put things off to the very last minute, whether that was through embarrassment. Yeah. Because it was it was in a part of the body that you don't want to talk about. Yeah, that also. You know, or if it was because they wanted to just ignore the idea of it. Yeah. And yeah. not have to deal with something like that and not have to think about the fact that it could be something bigger, which it then turned out to be. And it was too late then to do anything about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, so I think that is reducing that attitude. Yeah, absolutely. But it's still bloody there. Yeah, I think with, with the increased the increased number of illnesses now as well, specifically within our communities, we're talking about hepatitis and like increased levels of high blood pressure, increased levels of diabetes, more and more of these things become apparent. But yet we're still not seeing the number of people then translating to become organ donors, yeah. whether deceased donors as well as living donors. Why do you think that seems to be more of a problem? A lot of it, and you know me, I don't ever want to sound like I am dissing religion in any way, mm. although I'm not a very religious person myself. No. But I do feel that religious beliefs have a massive part to play in this. Yeah, yeah. But actually doing some research into this, the Hindu scriptures don't say anything about any of this kind of thing. There's nothing that outwardly says that you shouldn't do something to your body. Yeah. Um, the Sikh scriptures, again do not have anything that says you cannot do something to your body or bef- while you're alive or yeah. or anything like that. Your body, for both of those religions, your body is a vessel yeah, for your exactly. soul. Your soul needs to be released. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Atma moves on, yeah. but yet your cocoon decomposes essentially, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's just a thing that you walk around in while you're alive. Yeah. So there's nothing within both of those sets of religions that prevents this from happening. Yeah. Within Islam, it's a slightly more complex argument Hmm. uh, because it is set out. There are certain verses and quotes from the Quran that can be read in either way. Yes. There's two main schools of thought. The first one is that saving a life equates to saving all mankind. Right, okay. Uh, So if you're helping somebody in whichever way you can then that is then equates to you kind of helping the whole of humanity because it's a kind of multiple effect, I guess. Okay, yeah. The other school of thought is that something like organ donation compromises the special honour that was given by God to man and it can't be allowed at any cost. So you are given your body as a gift from God Mm. and you shouldn't alter that in any way. Okay, all right. So that's the two kind of extreme ends. There are in-betweens where you can... With any religion, you can go to your local religious leader, whoever you are comfortable talking to about yeah. about this from your religious establishment to find out what they think on this. But there can be shades of grey within this as well. But we have to differentiate between religious beliefs and cultural beliefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Islam, I can see the issues within their structural belief system. Yeah. But for our communities, the Hindu and Sikh communities, especially as it hasn't said anything in the scriptures regarding it, there's still this whole issues within cultural beliefs, which enable them not to go through with this process. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that just comes down to like... Ignorance? F- ignorance and the fear of it as well. Yeah, but what are you really going to fear? Because 
you're going to be dead. But that's the thing. It's the unknown of what's on the other side. What, as in what, the... what tools do you need to take with you? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's where it comes from. Now I've got from. no eyes. Well, exactly. If you give, you, if you give your eyes away, hmm. what happens on the other side? Can you not see? Yeah, I remember, I remember Chris Rock uh, back in the 90s did a stand-up special, Bring the Pain. And he was talking about organ donation in there. And it was just like a funny thing, you know, no black people want to be an organ donor. Because now it's like, no, I've got no eyes now. And then all of a sudden they find ways to bring you back to life. <laughs> and it's like, now I've got no eyes. But it's, um, okay, that's back in the 90s. And that's a ridiculous scenario. Yeah. But I've heard people within our communities talk about being cremated and not having their organs on them. And they're not going to look whole because there's parts of them that are going to be missing. And then what are they going to say during my wake? That's insane. See, I, my body's going to be burnt after I'm dead. Yeah. But it has to be burnt with all the bits in. Yeah, exactly. Just in case. Just in case, yeah, on the oh, other side. Because it looks nice. The thing, honestly, it's all... No I, one looks nice when they're dead. I've seen dead bodies that don't look nice when they're dead. Everyone no. looks different. You will, will always look different. But it's mad that in living and dead, people are still worried about what other people think. Yeah. The, it's insane. The superficiality continues when you're dead as well. Yeah. Like I will say, I'll be honest in saying that Organ donation is something that I haven't really tackled from a self-perspective on what the right and the wrong thing to do is. The right thing to do would probably be becoming an organ donor. Yeah, you haven't tackled, I think, more the idea of it yeah. and what you want to do because I'm very firm in what I want to do. You are very firm in it. And I have been since forever, I think. For, like For a long, long time, I've been very, very adamant about what I would want to do. But I didn't actually know that your next of kin still has a potential say in the final decision when it comes to organ donation. Yeah. So you can make it really clear that you want to donate your organs. Mm -hmm. Which you you have done incessantly. So I carry a donor card. I'm on the donor register. That's all done. Mm -hmm. And I've made it clear to you as my next of kin that that's what I would like. You can have these discussions with your uh, healthcare professionals as well, so with the doctors or your GP. You can tell them that that's what you would want to do as well. So there's a note made on your records. Mm-hmm. However, okay, the family, although they can't veto it because it's a legal thing that you've done, that you've said, you've stated clearly somewhere yeah. that you wanted to donate, there can still be cases where medical professionals won't allow your donation to go ahead because it will cause distress to the family right okay so basically if they kick up enough fuss it might not happen despite what you have asked for right could this be another reason for the low number of organ donations within our community as well potentially because if someone says religious religious reasons instantly that will stop yeah i think people will be very hesitant to go against someone's religious beliefs but also has religious beliefs been used as like a scapegoat sometimes for these situations well that's what i'm trying to get at yeah Yeah. i think that's an easy excuse to use and when you think about it if you're having a discussion with a doctor about a relative's organs being donated it's a really emotional time yeah absolutely yeah you're not thinking practically you're not, Everything's really heightened. Yeah, you know? like you, you're just you're really emotional. You're really sad about the fact the fact that you're going to be losing this person, and you don't mm. want to think about bits of them being given away. Yeah, yeah, cut out and given away. 
Yeah, yeah, in essence, yeah. And so you do whatever you have to do to make it not happen, I guess. Yeah, I suppose it's still a, a part of them. And it's, again, people need to get into their heads about, especially within our communities, the soul. And it's a soul that moves on. And the body is, is just a vessel. Yeah, absolutely, within the Sikh and Hindu communities. And within the Sikh and Hindu communities, there's also this concept of seva. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And seva is the, a selfless service. Yeah. And we've watched lots of videos about this recently. Mm-hmm. There's community leaders, religious leaders from all the main temples and things saying the same thing. Yeah. There is no bigger service that you can do than to give an organ. Yeah. While you're alive or after you die. Yeah, yeah. It is the ultimate selfless service, mm-hmm. helping someone else continue their life. Yeah. And I think that's the right way to do it. Yeah. And within Islam, mm-hmm. there is that school of thought that if you save a life, you're saving humanity. Yeah. And that is a very similar concept of doing something so selfless and helping somebody and saving their life. Yeah. That allows then them to continue through life and make their impact on humankind yeah yeah absolutely but there is like unfortunately more and more cases of people needing organ donation within our communities i'm Uh seeing every day i'm seeing newer newer plights unfortunately from families and members trying to highlight the cause of organ donation within people within their families yeah recently there's been the case of anaya okay yeah yeah so she is a a baby she's nearly two years old right she was born with serious kidney disease both her kidneys were removed when she was a few days old Mm. she's had dialysis every night since then and that you know it's about it goes up to about 10 hours a day of dialysis on a baby she needs a kidney transplant by december this year to survive Oh, God. So that's literally just a matter of weeks. Yep. And so over the past few months, they've been doing awareness drives around different temples around the country. Right. Uh, the ones coming up this year, for the re- remainder of this year, are in Newcastle. Okay. At the Gurdwara, the Singh Sabha Gurdwara, um, on the 25th of November, between 10 a.m. and 1.30. The next one will be in Thornaby at the Guru Nanak Gurdwara mm-hmm. on the Sunday, the 2nd of December, okay. between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. So what they're trying to do is do an awareness drive for organ donation yep. and also try to find a match. What they're looking for is someone from the group B or O, negative or positive blood type. Right, okay. They need to be aged between 30 and 42 with a BMI of 30 or under and be fit and healthy. Okay. That's yeah. what they need and they need a kidney for an AIA. Okay. In Gravesend on the 7th of November, which is their last uh, awareness drive, they added 111 new names to the organ donor register. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's a massive increase if we're talking about the numbers that we spoke about previously. Exactly. So, so although they're trying to find a very specific donor, mm. they are doing a good thing by adding more and more people to the donor register and educating people about organ donation. Yeah. We might remember recently there was a similar case with Kaya Patel, which we talked about on one yeah, of our previous Yeah, we mentioned shows. her plight on one of our previous shows, trying to ask more people to raise awareness of her issues. Yeah, so she was looking for a bone marrow donor. And she, through these awareness drives that her family did, found her bone marrow donor. Oh, fantastic. Donor, which great is great news. news. Unfortunately, that's not the end of her illness there. It's not that she got her donor and that's it. It's been a miracle recovery. Mm. Her new bone marrow cells are attacking her organs. And so she requires further treatment. So we've got our fingers crossed that she responds to treatment soon. Yeah, absolutely. And won't need, again, an organ donor. Yeah. 
Fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. And personally speaking, my best friend needed a kidney transplant. Yeah, absolutely. So she was diagnosed with a kidney problem when we were in sixth form. Wow, a long time ago. Yeah, so this problem runs in her family. Her dad had died of it. Her auntie had passed away from it as well. And she got diagnosed with it. I think it was late sixth form or early uni years, around that time. And she managed it up until a point. They started to fail, so she had to go on to dialysis. Mm. She was on dialysis when when we were getting married. Yeah. Around that time. And then just after we got married, she got a donor. Fantastic. So that was... Four years ago, it's taken her four years now to get back on track and to kind of recover from it. It's not an instant recovery. No, of course, it's a long period. The whole donation process takes time, obviously, to find the donor. Then for the operation, recovery from the operation, Mm -hmm. there's the getting your body used to it. So as we mentioned with Kaya Patel, your body can start to attack new new parts of you that are added to you as well so you know they had to suppress her immune system and then build that back up again so it's been a very long slow process but she got her donor Mm. and she's pakistani background so it was very hard to find somebody that was that was going to match but luckily she managed to find someone yeah yeah it's sometimes it is a, a long long process waiting period and obviously like these are people in their 20s and 30s but we're hearing so many cases of really young children, yeah. two, two years old, three years old, four exactly. years old, going through the same issues and the same problems. So what is basically being done within our communities to, to raise awareness and actually push things forward? Just recently, we saw a video that was actually organized by the Swaminarayan Mandir. And they were talking about the organization within their community. They've got a massive outreach of people, massive audience of people also. And they're trying to use their measures to raise awareness and exposure of such a massive issue within their communities. And, you know, we saw some Hare Krishna devotees in this video as well. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to bridge communities, bridge across all the different communities to come together to highlight this massive issue because not enough is being done within households and families and talking about it amongst themselves and so so it's great to see that they're actively encouraging people within their community to register to be organ donors because it is a massive inherent problem Um, in addition to that we spoke about the nhs blood and transplant and they're going to invest £600,000 to promote deceased donation in black and Asian communities. And that's almost 23% of the entire organ donation marketing budget. They've also invested £82,500 in the BAME Transplant Alliance, the NBTA, this year, so they can continue commissioning living transplant initiatives aimed at black and Asian communities. It's brilliant that people are trying now actively to make this a less taboo issue Mm. and something that we openly discuss no one likes to discuss death no exactly no one likes to have to deal with these issues no one wants to think about a loved one being ill yeah yeah you don't just have to donate when when you die as well you can do living donation Mm. so when somebody needs a kidney 
you can donate one of your kidneys and live very happily and very healthily yeah. on one kidney. Yeah, this is one of the things that we're speaking about in the Swami Narayan video, where there was a mother and daughter couple talking about the fact that the daughter donated a kidney to a mother and there's no issues or problems going forward and you can have a perfectly normal existence with one kidney yeah and it's enabled her family member to have a longer more prolonged life yeah and there was a, um, a nephew and an uncle yeah and they were saying in that that his actual parents weren't an actual match but his uncle was and so there's people within your extended family that can also help you going forward it's all at the same time exactly you can't rely on your immediate family to be the right genetic donor for you yeah it doesn't work like that so unfortunately yes the first people that they will test will be family members if they're willing to be tested yeah but it, they might not be a match mm. in which case you will have to look beyond that whether that's extended family or just your community in general yeah that's why it's very very important to be open to the idea yeah. Of helping somebody. Yeah. And it just comes back to the sewa, which is what we spoke about before, and also dan, which is the giving selflessly. Yes. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it is such a selfless act mm. to then give something of yours that somebody else needs more. Yeah, that can benefit you know? from. Once I'm dead, what am I going to do with my eyes or my liver or exactly. my heart or my kidneys or various other bits of me well we're, we're being cremated <laughs> so there exactly. literally is no use for any of these things but this is a discussion that we've had because i i carry my donor card yes and i you know on my driving license my provisional driving license <laughs> yeah. i have stated that i will be a full donor but i know that you aren't so comfortable with the idea of it yeah, I think it's more because, like you, like we spoke about, people haven't really addressed it. And addressing something so, not severe, but an important decision, mm -hmm. I guess, in life, like organ donation. And, I, and I've been probably one of those that can be blamed to brush things under the carpet yeah. and not have to deal with it directly. And so maybe this is something that I do need to start thinking about more intent, because now I'm probably of that age where midway through my life now and so anything can happen so i do need to start thinking about these things and, and if i can help people going forward then it's something that i will actively now look to do i know my dad is always talking about organ donation uh, but my mum's always kind of ridiculed him saying that well you know none of your organs work anyway so who's gonna actually gonna end up <laughs> wanting them um but you know he, he wants to donate his body to the sciences um, and I know your dad also spoke about something like this as well. So there are people within our elder community that are, are now thinking outside of their cultural beliefs yeah. and trying to enable themselves to help people more and more. And I think that needs to filter through to our generation and especially our younger generation. It's never too young to think about this stuff. Yeah. I started, I, as I said, I've always been very, very adamant that I want to be a donor and that started from the age of about 16 17 yeah when yeah. we were we had a discussion about it in school hmm. and I think from then I've seen the importance of it I've what am I going to do with these bits of me when I'm dead nothing yeah exactly yeah. if they can be useful to somebody if they're healthy and fit enough and uh, to be used then take them yeah exactly, exactly. give someone else life give multiple people healthy lives Take my yeah. lungs. I don't need them. Yeah, it's like the sad plight of young Ari Patel, but he managed to help out seven different children from his organs. So imagine the impact that's had, not only on those seven people, 
but also all the people that know them their families their parents exactly it's amazing and the lives that they will then go on to to maybe create as well themselves going because forward of, yeah because of this young boy yeah you know? it's an amazing thing that you can do but i feel like there needs to be a um, more willingness to discuss these things because it inevitably means that we're discussing what happens to us when we die yeah yeah and no one likes the idea of dying no one likes the idea of their loved one dying no exactly and it's always a very difficult situation and a very difficult conversation to have but it also there's a lot of you know superstitions as well we're talking about dying oh no don't talk about that kind of thing you know because there's a superstitious notion about yeah. talking about death as well tempting fate tempting and all that fate etc which means that culturally we shouldn't be talking about death which is again just crazy yeah everyone has their beliefs and you're welcome to follow them but try and also maintain an open mind yes and try and be practical yeah exactly yeah. because at the end of the day when it comes to death there's lots of practicalities that need to be considered. Hmm. Not just organ donation. There's things like having a will and getting your finances in order and all those things. Yeah. They all need to be done. Mm, yeah, of course. And that can happen at any stage. You you know, you don't know what's going to happen when you step out your door. Absolutely. You also don't know what's going to happen within your, within your home. You just don't know what's going to happen in life. Yeah. So if you can feel prepared that you won't leave too much of a burden of decision-making on your family because they will be emotional and they will be upset. Of course. Then you've done your bit to make their lives a bit easier after you've passed on. Yeah. That's how I see it anyway. And for families within our community, please respect the decision of those members that have decided to donate their organs going forward, living or deceased, because that is a massive, important life decision. I've got my donor card. If you decided to veto that and cite religious reasons... I can't do anything about it. I'm dead by that point. No, you'll haunt me for the rest of my life, <laughs> well, to be you honest. you know, if I can, then I will, yes. But I've made my decision and you should respect that. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. if it's important enough for me to put my name down, actively go out and put my name down on the register, that means that that's what I want to do. Yeah. And unless I've said that I've changed my mind, you have to respect those wishes. No, no, absolutely. I will do. We'll see. I will do. Yes. Yes. Thank <laughs> yes, you very much. I will. I will. But I do want to say that it is improving within our community. Mm. So in 2013, there were 6,700 people on the Asian people on the organ donor register. Okay, wow, that's that's not a massive amount at all. It's bugger all. Yeah. By 2015, that had increased to 11,500. Oh, almost doubled. Yeah. And then in 2017-18, it has gone up to 15,000. Okay, so we're seeing a real significant increase yes. in the last five or six years. So it is increasing amongst Asians. Yeah. However, that still only makes up 3.3% of the total number of people on the organ donor register. Oh, wow. So only 3%... Of people are Asian that are registered to donate their organs. Well, that's that's. It's tiny. Yeah. It's especially given your stats earlier on about how many people actually need. Yeah, thirty-five percent need organs. Yeah. So there's a massive disparity there. Hmm. Overall, there's one point three million people on the organ donor register. 
And we're only making up a few thousand of those. Yeah. But when you think about it, the total population of the UK is around about 64 million. Oh, wow. So there's a huge, just generally within society, there's a huge disparity Mm. between the number of people that are on the register. Yeah. The number of people that live within the UK and the number of people that will eventually need to have some sort of organ donation at some point in their lives. So there needs to be an overall improvement, but massively so within the Asian community and within the black community who only make up 1% of the, the Yes, even the less, absolutely. Yeah. So there, there's got to be a huge drive now to push this forward. And there is an argument for an opt-out rather than an opt-in. Right, okay. Yeah, so the, so the default would be that you're an organ donor yeah. when you go through the process. And, and a lot of countries have adopted that. Hmm. And personally, I think that's the right way to do it. Mm, yeah. But it's about respecting the wishes, obviously. Yeah, of the person. and there's the whole nanny state kind of argument where people are like, the government tells you to do too much, yeah. you know, and they have too much interference in your life. Mm. But not when it's there for the betterment and the help of other people. Exactly, and I think you're if you hold that opinion, it would very quickly change if you were the one to need an organ, or if a family member of yours was to need an organ. I think that's that's the biggest thing. You know, you never really know the severity of a situation until you're going through it yourself. And because we know people in life that unfortunately have to go through needing organs and being on waiting lists and having to wait a very long time to get them, you never really know the trauma and the and the issues and the pain that people experience during that period. Exactly. And so it's easy enough for us to sit here and talk about these things uh, about whether to be an organ donor or not. Some people don't even have that choice. Exactly. And I think that that's why this issue needs to be forefront now. I think within our communities it's very very important yeah and we need to do something about it yeah it's up there with i remember when thylacemia became such a massive issue and the fact that people weren't talking about that within the bame communities and how there was a massive drive and awareness made to alert people of the problems within this disease because it's specifically within ethnic minorities yes and now with organ donation it's a it's a problem that's universal yeah but with that, within our communities, it's still such a, not just a taboo subject. It's one that's rarely even touched on. And the numbers obviously back that up as well at the same time. So there needs to be more of a drive. There needs to be more of a, of an awareness raised. People are doing campaigns and we're seeing more and more things out there on social media and on TV and on, on the internet. But it's about talking about it within your households within your families, within the people in and around your community. Because until people are addressing it front on, it's always going to be one of those issues that's brushed under the carpet and never really addressed until it's actually too, too late. Exactly. So get talking to your family members, get talking to your parents, get talking to your other half, you know, your siblings, whoever, your kids. Get talking to them and make this an open discussion. Yeah, and encourage as much as you possibly can, wherever you can, however you can as well at the same time. Absolutely. For more information, you can check out organdonation.nhs.uk and it will give you more facts and figures, how you can be involved and what you need to do in order to go through an organ donation process. And actually, if you click on that link, if you go to that website, the first couple of articles that come up are about needing donors from all communities. Right. Okay. And also about religion and what different religions have to say about organ donation. Yeah. I think they've recognized that it is an inherent problem. Uh, And there's a lot of cultural beliefs. There's a lot of religious beliefs. But 
if you can help save somebody's life then surely then that's the most important thing and you're doing the most you can to receive not just spiritual enlightenment but actually a rewarding fulfilling existence thereafter exactly exactly do have a look on that website and find out some more information and arm yourself with that yeah absolutely get involved encourage other people and get donating right well that's the end of another episode of the native immigrants podcast i'm swami barakas and i'm jojo b and we'll see you all again next week people peace see you